Why You'll Never Be a Rapper, a memoir mixtape by Josh What's-His-Name Lefkowitz, forward by Fonte Coleman. Chapter 5. When I was a kid, I used to hang out in South Square Mall almost every Saturday. Like many young Durhamites, my friends and I would play video games for hours and tilt, and when we got hungry, we'd buy 49-cent tacos from Taco Bell without ever breaking the bank. For teens, South Square Mall was the epicenter of Southwest Durham's social scene. It was where you'd see the latest clothing trends, the coolest crews, and of course, the girls. At a time when my passion for all things hip-hop seemed to be at its most intense, I started to notice one character who seemed to stand out. He had short dreadlocks dyed orangish at the ends like people in rap videos. The sides of his head were shaved close and he wore baggy jeans with a Rasta-style belt that hung halfway down to his knee. On his feet was the essential Durham kicks du jour, high-top black suede Fila F-13s with black laces. On the bottom lace of each sneaker was African kente cloth that accentuated his Afrocentric flavor. I didn't know his name, but I knew his jacket, the Sim. That's what the back said in the same kente pattern that emblazoned his sneakers. To dress hip-hop was one thing, but to customize it showed that his swagger was authentic. Who even made that for him? Did he cut and sew it himself? Did he get a girl to do it? Was his mom that cool? Whatever the case, I had a feeling that I needed to know him. As if it were fate, The Sim transferred to my high school just a few months after I started noticing him in my sophomore year. His name was Asim and he was known as one of the most talented dancers in the area. He was as outgoing and hilarious as he was stylish and many mornings in the lobby before school, I'd see his one-man variety show gain more fans. I wasn't really looking for a dancer, but something in my soul knew that he and I needed to get acquainted. A few Saturdays later, Zach and I were making our normal rounds in South Square and had just hit the inevitable fork in the road. You know, the one where even as a 16-year-old with nothing better to do, you realize that you've spent two hours walking around a shopping mall as if it would result in some life-changing epiphany of fun. From the corner of my left eye, I noticed a crew headed towards us. All of them were clothed in polo from head to toe like Zach and I were, but because they were a bit older, their style was more advanced. Pant legs tucked partially in their socks to expose the Polo Sport logo. Wristbands, headbands, polo tank tops with polo t-shirts underneath. And the leader of this brigade was none other than Asim. They seemed headed in our direction and I wondered what they could possibly want with us. Asim and I had never actually spoken, but like most people in the local music scene, he knew who I was because of the Rap Summit show from a few months prior. As he approached, we caught eyes from afar, and I got the feeling like he was going to acknowledge me. When he got within a few feet of us, Asim stuck out his hand. This made me happy. Sup, yo, he said. What's up? I replied, because somehow answering a question with a question is perfectly fine within the confines of the hip-hop world. I was at that rap summit, Asim said. Oh yeah? I replied. Yeah, man. That funky Winkerbean joint was hot. I used to read the comic strip, so I got it. Dope reference. I could feel the makings of a connection. You know I'm rapping now, Asim said with confidence. I had, in fact, heard the rumor that he was transitioning into a rapper, but had never heard him rhyme. It was, after all, a natural progression for most dancers and DJs in that era because we were all doing hip-hop, but the MC was the star. Asim was a natural-born performer, and I had a strong feeling he'd be a really great rapper. Yeah, yo, you want to hear something? Asim said. 
Yeah, no doubt, I said, hoping he'd live up to my expectations, but truly happy just to be able to hang out with him for a few minutes. Asim began rapping, and he was a natural. I tried everything in my power not to appear giddy like a schoolgirl, though I'm sure it was apparent on my face. As he spat his last few lyrics, I promptly started one of mine as if it was a routine the two of us had rehearsed. It wasn't unheard of. This was something that rappers would do when they were exchanging lyrical pleasantries with one another and not necessarily trying to battle or outdo each other. Always ready to make another believer out of someone, in those days I would walk around with a number of my best verses on deck, and today was just the type of opportunity that I was prepared for. Asim and I went back and forth, verse for verse, for close to 15 minutes. As the size of the crowd increased, our verses got louder. As each of us wrapped our hearts out, it became more and more apparent to the onlookers that as wordsmiths, we were on the same level. Our metaphors were crafty, our lyrics were comical yet confident, and each word flowed to a point where you could imagine exactly what type of beat was made for each verse. Eventually, the crowd grew so large that the mall cops, in fear of a fight, broke it up. As the crowd dispersed, even they wore smiles on their faces, nodding their heads at us to acknowledge the performance. Fortunately for us, South Square Mall had really cool cops. As the festivities ended, Asim and I shook hands in the rappiest of ways with the classic right-handed dap and half-hug. We had shared something important, and before I could speak, Asim beat me to the punch. We need to do something, yo, he said. Once the connection was solidified, Zach and I walked away from the scene, both feeling a little different than we normally did on Saturdays. I was silent for a few minutes, but I knew that the smirk on my face was wildly apparent. That was dope as hell, Zach said. That's who you need to get in a group with. Zach and I were kindred souls, almost like brothers. The level of cool we aimed for was the same, and we wouldn't have to explain things to each other. Zach knew that being in a group with Asim would be all the endorsement I needed to succeed in the local music scene and maybe beyond. Sim was well known, possessed enough cool for the both of us and truly looked the part. I knew Zach was right, so a few days later I made the call. And within the first 60 seconds, Asim was forthcoming with his intentions. So what's up, yo? You trying to get in a group or something? Yeah, definitely. You? Yeah, I got a group with my homeboy D. So why don't you come by his mom's crib Friday and we'll see if it flows. I agreed to the arrangement, but I wasn't particularly enthused about this D person. I figured I'd give it a shot, and when I got there, it was clear that Asim and I were far more advanced lyrically than D was. We decided that I'd join the group, and for the next few weeks, we got together frequently to write songs and practice potential show routines. Within a matter of weeks, D began to lose his mind and was frequently absent from our meetings. Asim wasn't the leader of our group, but he assumed the role when things began to go awry. Though Dee's absence was perfectly fine with me, Asim was becoming increasingly frustrated. The last straw in the book of Dee came after he had supposedly gotten a hold of some laced weed. As legend has it, he blacked out, stole an ambulance, crashed, and was apprehended by police before being put into a mental ward. I'm not sure how much of that was fiction, but shortly three became two, and Asim and I became the tandem I was hoping for. Now everything was perfect, except for one thing, our name. In the early 90s, hip-hop was still a bit silly. Groups like Digital Underground could be taken completely seriously even with a lead rapper who wore a fake nose and glasses who pretended to be a second character named Humpty Hump. We were all pretty silly behind the scenes, but my aim was never to be received as a joke. Asim and D had come up with the name The Noses. I hated it from the first time I heard it, but I knew that pledges never questioned frat leaders. Now that D was gone, I had to at least give it a shot. 
What about the name, though? I asked. What, you don't like the noses? Asim said. Well, it's kind of silly, I replied. Shit, you kind of silly, Asim said, cackling so hard that you could hear the phlegm in his chest. I know, I said, but the noses, for real? Well, how about this, Asim said. What about if we spelled it K-N-O-Z-E-S? Because you and I both noses a lot of stuff. I still thought it was one of the dumbest things I had ever heard, but Asim did have a point. Within our one-month friendship, we had bonded over stupid jokes, silly movie quotes, our love for music, and our shared treasure trove of worthless knowledge. He sold it to me as, we are the noses because we noses a lot of stuff, and I bought it. I hated it, but I convinced myself that people wouldn't automatically think of our facial appendages. Sim was older, cooler, and when it came to hip-hop, he knew best. As a duo, we built on our seemingly effortless method of learning each other's verses as if they were our own and used that to add background vocals to each other's rhymes when we performed. If he had a big punchline coming up, I would say it with him and it would help drive the line home. Because we had a lot of interests in common, Asim and I became best friends and that did nothing but help our song deliveries and performances. People began to take notice. When it came to shows, everyone knew the noses for our high energy and precision. We made a huge name for ourselves locally and the success we had started to make me feel like this is what I was supposed to be doing with my life. I was determined to ride this wave until I was making music professionally and Asim was my trusty co-pilot. One night in a dark corner of Club Kamikazes, we were approached by the owner. He asked if we could stick around after the club closed so he could speak to us about some opportunities. We knew the conversation had to pertain to opening up some major shows there, so we did as he said and hung out until just after 2 a.m. Once the club started to wind down, he motioned to us to follow him to the parking lot where we were asked for an impromptu audition. Let's hear what you got, the owner said like a smarmy record executive. Asim and I obliged and gave him the audition of his lifetime, which instantly changed his tone. Absolutely fabulous, he said. Listen, I'm going to call you guys soon to discuss some show possibilities. I definitely want you to perform here. It was all coming together. Everything we had worked for was coming to fruition, and we knew that once we graced the stage of the hottest club in the Triangle area, the sky was the limit. Asim's mom's giant Oldsmobile was low on gasoline, but the two of us had enough fuel to get us to the moon. We screamed and rapped along to our demo on the way home because no one else was worthy enough to bang through those blown 6x9 door speakers. Between songs, we'd strategize our set list and thought of creative ways to deliver a great show. It would be hard for either of us to fall asleep that night, but we didn't care. We'd never sleep again if it meant having the opportunity to live out our dreams. A few nights later, I got a call from Zach. Yo, are y'all performing at Kamikazes on Sunday? Um, I don't think so. Why? I just heard on the radio that you are, Zach said. This was news to me. I'm dead ass. There's a commercial on the radio that says y'all are performing on Sunday. Really? That's crazy, I said. Let me call Sim. As soon as we hung up, I called my partner in rhyme, who answered the phone in one ring and sounded perturbed. Yo, I said. How about Zach just called to ask me if we're performing at Kamikazes on Sunday? Yeah, I know. I just got like three calls asking me the same damn thing. Neither of us had discussed performing, so we decided to convene at his mother's apartment where he lived. Before I could get out of the car, he came down and asked if I could take him to the mall. I started the engine, and within minutes, our conversation was interrupted by the radio. Sunday night at Kamikaze's, Keith Murray performing live with opening act, The Noses. So what do you think we should do? I said. Fuck that, man, he said. We ain't doing that shit. 
That flabbergasted me. I was 16 and would have cleaned toilets to get the opportunity to open up a show. It was stupid that we hadn't been told, but I didn't think it was that big of a deal. The owner wasn't particularly organized about it, but he was essentially making good on his promise. I didn't understand Asim's gripe. Because, yo, what if we were busy? What if we weren't interested? Opportunity or not, we can't let people treat us like that. But dog, it's a show. Nah, man, we let him treat us like that one time and he'll think he can do it again. I'm not letting us establish our rep like that. I sat there silently, trying to wrap my head around what Asim was saying. It took a while, but the more I thought about it, I knew he was right. Asim and I were best friends, but I still looked up to him, and ultimately, I knew he probably had a point. That Sunday, the noses would be absent from kamikazes. It would be, as they say in the 9-to-5 world, a no-call, no-show. No show.